Who's the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of the state legislature? Who's the Marjorie Taylor Greene? You know? Welcome back to the Facts About Packs, the number one pack podcast in America. It's Adam Belmar and David Schill today for a great conversation with one of the up-and-comers in American political campaign analysis and prediction. Adam, Chaz Nunnycomb has been predicting the outcomes of state and national elections since he was 16 years old. In the 2022 midterms, Chaz eclipsed Larry Sabato and his crystal ball with the accuracy of his unique predictions. Which is incredibly impressive, David, especially when you consider that in 2023, the young Mr. Nunnycomb, while finishing his senior year at Virginia Tech, delivered 100% accurate predictions in every Virginia state legislative race. Adam, a slight departure from how you and I spent our senior year of college. Coming up in a minute, get to know the wunderkind that is Chaz Nuttycomb. And you'll get to hear the campaign insights for PAC managers about the races that we're all watching in 2024. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NABPAC activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. Thanks, Adam. I was certainly interested in politics as a young man, uh, but my technical expertise was limited to using my VHS recorder to make sure I had the X-Files every week. This is way, way beyond what I was working on in high school. And the uh, national implications and the implications for our audience are kind of incredible. So I think it's so great that Chaz was generous with his time and talent and agreed to talk with us here today about uh, the method and the madness of election prediction. Without any further ado, let's just bring him in right from the campus of Virginia Tech in beautiful Blacksburg, Virginia. Our guest, Chaz Nettycomb. Chaz, welcome to the Facts About Packs podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Chaz, you were born in Hampton Roads. You were raised in Richmond, Virginia. And I'm sure everyone listening would love to know the story of when the political bug bit you. I think the first time I followed an election was the 2012 presidential election because my father uh, was was very much following it. Uh, I didn't follow the primary, but just like the general election, you know, I didn't follow the Republican primary or anything. Actually, now that I kind of remember it, I think that was the first time I tried predicting an election. But I, I admit Romney uh, winning the election. You and me both, brother. Yeah, but you were getting paid to do it. I was 13. Different. different. <laughs> <laughs> so different, different circumstance. But just started predicting the primaries in 2016 for fun. And I got into the state legislative stuff, which is my wheelhouse in 2017 in my senior year of high school when, you know, the House of Delegates was up in Virginia. Um, because, I mean, I mean, the funny thing was, a lot of the national media thought the Virginia gubernatorial race was going to be close. It was like, oh, who's going to win when, I mean, by August, I was already kind of seeing like, yeah, Northam is probably going to win this. And so, you know, I didn't really see many people trying to, you know, I saw people predicting the gubernatorial, lieutenant gubernatorial, attorney general race. But I, didn't, I saw like two people trying to predict the House of Delegates. One uh, goes by the pseudonym Opinion Haver on Twitter or uh, Hart Cook's Brain or something on, on Daily Coast. And then um, obviously the other one, very famous political prognosticator, Cook Political Report, Dave Wasserman, who, you know, I've, I've looked up to over the years. And I ended up doing uh, better than Dave, but I always like to, you know, put an asterisk since, uh, I mean, Dave's kind of ratings were in, uh, in September and I did about as well or maybe a little bit better 
than the other person. So, you know, that just kind of became my hobby. You know, in 2020, I started up uh, C Analysis, my website. And uh, yeah, I've been doing that for almost four years now over the course of college. Chaz, your website, and I love it, by the way, says the 2023 Virginia election was easy to predict. So first off, kudos on your confidence. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I think that uh, the Vegas odds makers might uh, might pour a little bit with the word easy. But what made it so easy? Is there a secret sauce here? I'm not asking you to give away your IP by any means, but people have been sort of crunching the data in elections. And there's many different ways people approach this, right? I'm familiar with some of the old school prognosticators who say, well, look, in Wisconsin, if we're selling more Schlitz, you know, there's no way the incumbent's going to win. And there's all these sort of almost farmer's almanac types of data points. But I'm guessing that your methodology is a lot more scientific. And is there something that's changed in recent years that you think was able to give you this kind of accuracy? So we are mixed method. We're qualitative and quantitative. What the process is, is we have something called a base rating, and that just looks at the electoral data um, that looks at incumbency or lack thereof, so on and so forth. That's just the kind of initial rating. This is what based on pure partisanship, and that also does include the latest state legislative election result, is what that would generally output. I'm trying to follow the course of campaign, looking at campaign finance data, I factor that in qualitatively because my thing is there are things when it comes to cephology and modeling, whether, you know, you're actually doing a pure quantitative model or a mixed method model, is that there are things you can factor quantitatively and things you can factor qualitatively. My kind of favorite example when I talk about how I think mixed method is the best way to go is in 2018. There is something in the 538 model just known as a scandal factor. And the thing is, scandals aren't, you know, you can't just have a numerical scandal factor. There are all sorts of scandals and some matter and some don't. In 2020, I saw a candidate for the Missouri State House who was running in a purple district in the Missouri State House, both um, the Kansas City area. And he was accused of molesting his own children by his own children. And he won. And, you know, a big part of that is because this is a nationalized elector. And even though that's a big scandal, um, whereas something like an extramarital affair is not going to matter. So that's a big part of my kind of philosophy of election modeling. I also engage in research and I try and get off the record conversations and data from the actual people working on these campaigns. And that really helps me out. Uh, you know, state legislative polling is almost non-existent when it comes to public state legislative polling. It's remarkable because these topics and this level of specificity are not normally the kinds of things that we would be talking about on this podcast. And no one is so naive as to not understand that at the local level, the vagaries and nasty elements of human behavior bear themselves out even in scandals for people who are running for elected office. But your approach is similar to that of other political professionals in that you have to really interpret and understand what's going on and and have firsthand sourcing and conversations. And I think David Shields, it's clear of the savant nature of young Chaz at the local level as Dave Wasserman can from elections gone by. It's impressive stuff and it, it portends a lot as we look at 2024. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I was really struck by, Adam, is that Chaz is looking at places where he said a lot of people are not doing the work right now, specifically state houses. And I have to say my reaction to that is this is incredibly valuable work because increasingly federal political action committees, whether they're sponsored by corporations, trade associations, or unions, 
are looking to state races, right? And looking to make investments in candidates in state races. And part of the reason is that's the farm team. That's AAA baseball. The folks in the state houses very often, you know, fleet up to the Congress. And if you can get in on the ground floor with a candidate, that's fine. The second issue, of course, is that state legislatures have an enormous role in the business trade association and labor communities. And so who wins and who sits in the state house? really does matter. I can tell you that when you are drinking from the fire hose that is 538, that is Politico, there's some of these organizations at the federal level. Great. There's a lot of information. And then somebody says, well, what do you think is going to happen in Virginia, Missouri? And if there's no data out there, you kind of have to throw up your hands and say, well, I guess I'll go to the local newspaper and see what their coverage looks like. So Chaz, I think you're filling an important gap here. And my question would be, I guess, does this scale and are you planning to go national with this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, we've been national since 2020 predicting state legislative elections. And, you know, now this year we're predicting more elections than ever before. Back in 2020, when CNLs had our first year, uh, we actually didn't look at multi-member districts. And um, for any of your listeners who know about the makeup of the New Hampshire State House, we're actually trying to predict the New Hampshire State House. For those who aren't aware, New Hampshire State House has districts that can have maybe just one person elected, and they have, uh, I think it's just one district that has up to 10 different people winning an election. Um, And there are over 400 members of the New Hampshire State House in this small little state. So, you know, these we're talking about people representing the size of, you know, like uh, a thousand to three thousand people, something like that in some places in the New Hampshire State House. But it is my goal over the next several months and especially by next year that I create something that is known and serves as a resource for every state. You know, I'd love to be as known as Virginia as in my favorite state politically is Alaska. The Alaska state legislature, I mean, they have coalitions and whatnot. Partisan politics you see in Congress don't really follow in Alaska. And it's really interesting. So, you know, absolutely. I I want uh, more and more people in in each state to follow our stuff. So, Chaz, I want to look specifically at 2024. For PACs, for Employee Funded and Business Trade Association PACs, Our superpower is our transparency. Those limits are there and more inflexible than we would certainly like. But the knowledge of who is contributing and where it's going and that employee funded and business trade association PACs are stewards of the money given by their colleagues and interested parties, it makes me wonder, how are you transparent about what you're doing? And can you describe the modeling and the approach to some of the mathematics and how transparent you can be with your competitors and the people who are relying on you for your analysis? Sure. We haven't actually written a updated methodology piece since 2021, I kind of realized. And uh, we kind of tweaked our methodology starting in 2022 when Jack at my website, Jack Kirsting, uh, he's a graduate student at University of Alabama. He pretty much is the co-forecaster of the website, and he has been since 2022. Before, it was Jackson Martin, uh, C-Analysis, who still creates models for us. For example, Jackson creates our bang for your buck model, which identifies what the best state legislative districts are to invest your money in based on the amount of money and the you know where things stand in the forecast. Yeah, so Jack kind of handles the output for running the ratings through... I think it's 25,000 simulations. So on March 1st, um, we're going to be having a kind of detailed layout for, you know, the forecast. 
We're also going to have a new version of the forecast, one the kind of classic version as we've been doing, but one is a, that is also a little more quantitative. And then another thing I like to do after each election cycle, I like to go and see where each district that I got wrong and why. So I think it was a hundred something districts I got wrong in 2022. And, you know, this is even including like a district that, you know, we eliminate toss ups. And so usually those toss ups go into like a tilt column. Right. And this includes, you know, districts that, you know, go to like the other party by a single vote. You know, that happened, I think, one or two places. I had some pretty big misses on the state legislative level in 2022 in some of these small districts. Um, for example, I mean, there is this uh, a big, big guy uh, in the Hawaii State House who uh, is a Democrat and won a Trump district. And I think it was because he was some sort of high school football star. And that's kind of my favorite part is looking at the races I got wrong because on the state legislative stuff, things are so interesting. You know, congressional elections are kind of boring in my, in my opinion. Um, you know, you have such big differences between uh, ticket splitting on the state legislative level versus the presidency. You have, you know, just kind of these people with personality and just, you know, since these are smaller communities that they're actually able to uh, have impressive overperformances or, you know, if they're not liked, underperformances. But yeah, so that's a little bit on how we're transparent. Chaz, this is fascinating, and I think it's so great that you're putting your research methodology forward. I want to go, first of all, um, you, you know, good luck in Washington as someone who's going to admit when you did wrong and actually be introspective about it. That is not uh, an inside the beltway trace. Yeah, we so could call you're, that refreshing. You're, yeah, that's going to be very refreshing. But I want to go back and do, I mean, guess do a little ad for C-analysis here about this bang for the buck model you mentioned. I want to be clear, this is at the state level in certain states, or this is across the state and federal level, because I can tell you, that is a kind of analysis that I don't recall being in the, in the fundraising community, right? Raising and spending PAC dollars that I ever recall seeing somebody who looked at where will money actually make a difference? Any congressional fundraiser is going to tell you this $100 is the game changing $100, right? That's what they're going to tell to a potential donor. But just expand on that a little bit. I mean, you've done this for every race in America. So we actually only look at the competitive chambers. Okay. So we're looking at the districts that are going to actually possibly determine a majority, you know, so any competitive district that is in a competitive chamber is what we're looking at for the state legislative level. And so, you know, that takes into the account the money that's already in the race based on cash on hand and spending. You know, we look at that. We look at obviously the previous election results and what the tipping point was in the last election. And also what is the tipping point in the actual model? So that's some of the things that, you know, go into it. I know that the 2022 methodology for the bang for your buck is on C analysis. That's off the top of my head, some of the stuff that goes into it. And so Jackson Martin is the one that designs that. And, um, you know, we're going to be working this next month in February on the 2024 version. But it really won't be until like the summer that we kind of have a fuller model because of the uh, primaries, candidacy filing deadlines, etc. We do have like the big national one. That looks at all the competitive, um, say, legislative chambers. We also have like the state level ones, right? So, you know, here are the best districts to invest in this chamber or this state. Chaz, the tools and techniques that you and your team are working on clearly have many applications. I think our listeners would be really interested to know that even as you count down to your college graduation, you're working on a quite civically minded nonprofit model. Can you share your plan with everybody listening? 
Sure. So, yeah, the nonprofit, you know, we started laying the groundwork a couple months ago. Um, C-analysis will actually, and this is kind of breaking. This is the first time I'm kind of announcing this publicly. C-analysis content will kind of be merging into that nonprofit. So like, you know, the election forecasting, uh, the bang for your buck model will not. Um, the nonprofit, it, it is, you know, very kind of civic based, right? It's not. And so um, what's the mission there and, and who gets to benefit in the best iteration of it? Sure. The public. I mean, the thing is with state legislatures is that I want to say only only a quarter or maybe a third at the most of Americans know who their state legislators are. And I think it's a transparency issue. You know, this is a level of our government that I think is very much still in the dark, especially in some states. What I'm kind of looking at building, it's going to be going into trying to have a kind of mixture of 538, Politico, all sorts of things on the state legislative level. So we're going to be having news aggregation and kind of creating our own news. Um, we're going to be kind of starting with Virginia because that's our bread and butter um, with having our own correspondent. Uh, we're going to be looking at sponsoring polling, uh, whether it be issue or horse race polling uh, for state government stuff. Having a polling aggregate that actually lets you filter by the partisan identification of the pollster, because that was a big thing in 2022, right? People were saying that, oh, there's going to be this big red wave. And the reason why is because the polling averages were skewed toward the Republicans, because the Democratic pollsters after 2020, they tucked their tail between their legs and headed for the hills in 2022. Having a campaign finance database on the state legislative level, tracking bills and using those bills calculating the actual ideology of state legislators, right? And this is something that hasn't really been done before in terms of an organization that does this. Who's the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of the state legislature? Who's the Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know? Or who is the Lisa Murkowski or Joe Manchin? And then actual trying to engage occasionally in research. First thing I think we're going to be actually looking at, and we're probably going to be looking at partnering uh, with other groups or maybe even academics on this research projects that we want to do. The first one we want to try and figure out is what is the actual influence of campaign finance on the state legislative level? For example, campaign finance doesn't really matter in Connecticut or Maine because they have a public campaign finance system. Illinois, I mean, the Democrats always outraise the Republicans handily, and yet the Republicans have double-digit overperformances from the presidential level down to the state legislative. So that's a massive undertaking with just the sheer amount of districts. Um, I, I did just come from my uh, my last class actually on the presidency to y'all. But well, um, let me turn this back to David Schill for just a minute because as we wrap up this episode of the number one pack podcast in America, it is sort of our charge to find inventive thinkers, people who are looking at the world of campaign politics and breaking it down and trying to better understand what impacts the inputs have and what the outputs will be. And I think we build him correctly, David, as an up and comer. You're absolutely right, Adam. And he's doing something that is particularly valuable for our audience, right? Which is he's studying the impact of money and he's looking at races that otherwise don't get national attention. And so I think obviously Chaz needs to be a regular guest as we go into the 2024 primary and general cycles, because so many of our listeners are like, this is the information that I need to turn around and give my CEO, my board, my union president. I got to get ahead of this information. Chaz, this is such a cool thing for you to have built and invented. Congratulations. I kind of look forward to the head-to-head here with Steve Kornacki and his khakis. I mean, I think you've got a, a really neat thing, a really unique thing. So we're excited to see where it goes, and I hope we can have you back to talk in more depth about what 2024 is shaping up to be. I appreciate it. I'd be happy to come on. Thank you guys for having me. 
And thanks to everyone for downloading and sharing our show. Subscribe and meet us right back here next week on the Facts About PAX podcast. 